turn around and say hello to your neighbor. Tell him it's good to have the pastor back. <laughs> I'm just trying to fix myself here, so hopefully I'll... Um, because believe it or not, I actually missed you all. I really did. It was, uh, who said I right? I actually did. I mean, it was fun getting away and getting, getting a bit of a head shower and a break. You know, when you're... For me, I switch off when I'm doing something that I'm trying to stay alive in. So when you're away on an activity and you're just trying to survive and, and live, like your brain switches off from all the stuff you have to do. But then obviously then you have a break. You come back and then the, the to-do list is still there and obviously somehow Easter and everything else is around the corner. So um, it does get a bit busy. But I, you know, it got me thinking. I mean, it came... The first Sunday's fine because, you know, with a great team and everybody's looking after. Although I heard there was a few crazy hiccups last week in terms of alarms and random people showing up and all sorts of different things, which, um, which I just go, ha-ha, you know, that I don't have to do those things. But, um, you know, I was thinking, going, I really miss, I don't know how people don't go to church. I'm not going to say every Sunday, but I just am like, I, it's just something about when you gather with like-minded people who want to pursue and worship the presence of God. I go, I actually don't know how people can go without that. And, like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't because, you know, I was a control freak and wanted to know and making sure everything was going okay, because we generally have a great, you know, everyone played their part and, you know, everything went well, nobody died, which is great. So I just was like, I, don't, I genuinely love gathering my like-minded people and worshiping the presence. I mean, it's what I feel like we're created to do. And this is not my sermon, it's not what it's about, but I just felt, it's like, I... I like going away, but I do, I'll, I'll go away from not much Sundays and just making sure that we, we gather. So I, had, I don't know, I just wanted to say that. I thought, actually, we have a, a great pool of people and, you know, I feel like pursuing the presence of God is what, what marks us and what we're about. So um, kudos to yourselves just for making me miss you. Um, I like you that much anyway. You've got likable personalities. Well, some of you do. We'll not, we'll not look at the front row. Um, but uh, if you're just joining you'll see that, well, before I go into um, normal, because nobody's normal around here, so I don't really know why we're doing a series on normal, but James did mention about the boiler. We do have a boiler, so again, the likes of George, Edwin, and there's, a, there's just a wee team of people behind the scenes that makes just this happen and, and this work. And I know there's still a wee bit of chill in there because we need to insulate the place. So in order to, that boiler didn't drop out of the sky, which it did, but we need to, we're going to borrow about £20,000 just to be able to pay that off. Um, it costs between about £12,500 to do um, all in, and even that number in itself is a miracle because of what it was going to cost to do. But we also need to insulate, and, because there's no point putting in an efficient boiler, but then there's a big hole in the roof, and you know it all goes out, and you're not really heating the place well, and we're not really economical for that. So one of the things we are going to do is we're just going to try and insulate. Now, it's a bit awkward. The building in its lovely, weird shape is also very hard to insulate and so on, so we are working on that. But I'd encourage you... I know some of you already gave to... A, we didn't necessarily officially do a boiler fund because I feel like we've been doing building funds and all sorts of funds for a long time, so we're just very conscious of that. But I really want to thank some of you who just continued to, to sow into that already. And, and if you're sitting here and you're going, you know what, I feel like the Lord's blessed us and we're able to, to do that. I'm not gonna, we're not going to necessarily do an official give on Sunday, but I just encourage if you if you feel led to give into that and just to, to create a space for people to come and, and feel warm and I'd encourage you to do that. But I'd also encourage you, if you have only been coming to the journey or you've been around for a while and you're going, you know what, this is, this is my church, this is the group of people I want to spend my, you know, doing my, my days with, then I'd encourage you just to begin to help pay the bills together, just so into that. There's ways, James says, that we can give and do that. I just encourage you just to, um, just to pray to the Lord and go, Lord, okay, what, what I want to give and 
not that you're subscribing to a church, but you're giving back to him what he's gave to us. And um, I just encourage you to just to go into that and, and go, okay, God, what I want to tithe. And I, I know a lot of you offer, you give so much of your time and your effort. I mean, we really are a church that just push beyond the 20% of people doing 80% of the work. And I want to make sure that we continue to be a church that aren't just 20% of people paying 80% of the bills. So I'd encourage you, just a shameless plug, hello, just a shameless plug to, you know, if you want to, you feel led and you want to make roots here, then there's many ways to give. If you have any questions about that, you can come chat to us afterwards so that the housekeepings are over okay. So, um, and we'll keep you up to date on, on all sorts of things as well. Hopefully we get the place insulated nice and warm. All right. Who's been enjoying the, the normal series so far? Who's been here some of the weeks and you got John one week and then you got Julia next week? So, you know, God bless you. It was not really what it was about. So um, we brought the heavies in. When, when you go out of time, you bring the heavies in and they really go for it, which is, which is great. And obviously, we have, a, we have a tool here called Theotherapy. And uh, we had a, I think it was maybe, maybe just Raymond and myself and a couple of others, but we were in with uh, Dr. Mark Riviera yesterday and he doesn't go easy on you. And, you know, you poke and you prod and you, you see what, um, what goes on, what's abnormal within that begins to, to skew what the view of normal is. And um, we do live in, in culture, we live in times that I don't think is doom and gloom. I think there's a lot of great stuff going on. But how many of you know sometimes we just are a bit ski within our thinking, our understanding, and where we're going in life? And we just need a bit of help, right? In fact, that's why we all come to church, because we need help not only from each other, but from God. We need we need Jesus to save us from ourselves. You know when uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray and he says, deliver us from evil, sometimes that evil's within. He's like, deliver us from ourselves and we need that and we need help and support. And that's really what, what normal's about is what, what is normal? What is the definition of normal? And uh, John went on to talk about in, in the beginning in the garden where Adam and Eve and Jesus were the only ones to experience a glimpse of normal. And, and Adam and Eve obviously sinned, they disobeyed God, and they went into an abnormal state, which was the fallen state. And then Jesus is the only one who is spotless and normal and, and, the, and the embodiment of that. And when, in the beginning of the garden, because we're going to look at Genesis again, that when that rejection came in, when, when sin entered in, it fractured relationships. It, fract, it fractured relationships with each other, but also it fractured relationship with God. And those broken relationships are, you know, what therapy is about, what counseling is about, is what mentoring is about, what doing life is about, what the culture of honor is about, what all of those values are about is that we're trying to get back to right relationship. Does that make sense? That's, that's what we've been looking at. And obviously Jesus is the only one who remained in the perfect normal state by his definition. And Jesus is calling us not to necessarily go back to the old normal, but to, to enter into the new normal or the, or the counter-cultural normal that exists today. All right, and that's what I want to look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going, to, we're going to go to Genesis 1, but we're also going to look at 2 Corinthians 3, just so you know when I'm jumping across. And You know, as I was thinking about this, there really isn't, we are, I love our church because nobody is normal. We're all a bunch of... I think we've taken the brand of Revels where you were just a mixing bag of chocolates and we don't really know what we're going to get. And that's, that's what's good. That's what's great about our, about our church. But we're constantly trying to define what is normal. What is normal? We're also asking, well, who should define what normal is? Anybody ever done that? Looking around, going, trying to find out and figure out what, what is normal life should look like? What does normal relationships look like? We're constantly doing that through comparison, through through looking and observing from, you know, infancy right up to even the age we are now. And then there's also the question of 
what should the normal that we pursue be looking like? What is the normal? What is the goal? What is the, the general direction of normal life, our family, our friends, our churches, our, our emotional and physical and spiritual health? We're, tra- we're constantly going, what is, we have a vision of what normal looks like. Do you know you have a vision of what normal looks like for your life? Just as I'm talking, begin to think about what do you actually define as normal? Is the normal life you're currently living in any area of your life the normal that Jesus wants for it? Because we only know what we know when we only come from the, the background and upbringing that we have. You know, from someone's normal, from a childhood is another person's abnormal and vice versa. So we always are going, what is normal and, 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 and is that okay? How many know you can't have a design without a designer? You cannot have a design without a designer. And you cannot have creation without a creator. And we live in a day and an age that has such a, an appreciation for creation, an appreciation for design, but so much effort to ignore the designer. We live in a day and age that are fascinated and have a high value for design, but exert so much effort to ignore who is the one that designed that? We, we admire the intricate design of the universe. We have our David Attenboroughs of this world who speak in such poetic voices and imagery and we're like, wow, we love blue planets and we love our whatever Netflix thing is out right now. And it's like we love and we appreciate and it moves us and we go, creation's amazing. But it stops at just admiration without ever attributing to who the creator and the designer is. Does that make sense? We live in that kind of world. And how many of you know you're designed with an inherent capabilities and abilities and capacities to reflect your designer? Everyone's silent. The Northern Irish, I don't want to be boastful. I don't have any skills, capacities, abilities in this room but every single one of us are created with inherent capacities and abilities and gift sets that reflect our creator. Whether it's you have the gift of compassion, mercy, whether you can have hospitality, whether the gift of healing, whether it's the gift of teaching or whatever it may be, but also whether you have an ability to walk in great forgiveness or whether you're here and you're creative and that's what Tuesday's night's about is what way are you creative? How does what you do reflect God? Because it's not about boasting ourselves but how does this reflect God? And that's what creativity does. But also within every single one of us we have an ability to produce order out of chaos. Structure when there is none. Now I'm not just talking about all the administrators who know how to actually create systems and design, but within every single one of us, we are, have an ability from God to produce order where there was chaos. And we're going to go back to Genesis 1 because this is going somewhere. When God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, including humans, he, he was creating an original design, right? He was, he was 
creativity and embodiment, life and embodiment, beginner in the embodiment. And what happens when he created humans, and we're going to look at this, humans then rejected God's instructions and sin entered in. And I'll put it like this, it was almost as if a bug or a virus entered into the system. Not an antivirus, but a virus that entered into the system and since then has been skewing our perception of the design and the normal which we are pursuing to create. A bug and a virus entered into that system when God had original design, a virus entered in and has been skewing our malware, our system, if you like, in order to, to reproduce that original normal design which God set up. Does that make sense? If I've lost you already, I'm going to lose you the rest of the thing, all right? And it's why we see a disconnect between the life that God says is available to us and the life we're currently living in. It's why we see that disconnect because we read the scripture, we hear Jesus say, let's do this stuff. Let's see, this is the, this is the life I've called to live with family, friends, marriage, communities. Throughout the whole, even the gospels and you see the, 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 the type of church that Christ is calling us to live, we see that type of almost fantasy but then the reality is different. And it's not that Jesus was a liar, but it's just because we've done something wrong. But how many know when Jesus says, on earth as is in heaven, he wants what he defines as normal to become our normal, even when our normal doesn't look like his normal. Does that make sense? See, God made order out of chaos, and he called it good. But when our sin and our rejection entered in, we started to define what we think normal should look like. And sometimes we actually just begin to relegate ourselves to this is the normal I live in. And the problem is when we define normal by how we want or by how culture defines it, the problem is we don't know how to lead ourselves and save ourselves from the messes we actually get ourselves in. And if you read scripture, you'll see that's time and time again, the whole narrative. See, when we fail to trust the designer for normal, we end up in our self-destructive cycles. Now you're sitting there going, well, you're not telling me anything new. I don't know what John and Julia told you last week. Maybe they beat you in the head with something. I don't know. But you're probably sitting here going, well, I know that, right? Because in that original design, Jesus set us up to have seamless relationship with him. That word seamless is important. An unseamless relationship is that which is uh, obstructed by conflicts. Rejection, anger, Loss, all sorts of accusative emotions. So we are designed, every single one of us, every single person in this room, I don't, regardless of where you've come from, how far you're on your journey, you are designed for seamless relationship with Jesus. We are actually designed to be able to hear him. Now you're probably sitting here going, I know I'm designed to hear from God, but I struggle to hear from him. I struggle to hear his voice I struggle to know what he's saying. I actually can't hear from him. I think that's just for the prophetic people. But actually, I want to disagree and say it's not that you, you don't have an ability to hear from him. It's actually because we are listening to so many other voices in our lives, constantly listening to other voices in culture that are saying contradicting things to what God said. Because when we are in seamless relationship with Jesus, he, through the Holy Spirit, reveals to us what normal looks like. But the problem is we've allowed so many other voices to drown that voice out and to then go, that's what normal should look like. 
But how many know in culture they can't even agree what normal looks like? No? Right? So we're going to go back to Genesis. We're going to read two things. I want to show you just something that, that actually will hopefully help just your, your insight on this. Genesis 1, 1 to 5, and then we'll, we'll jump to 26 to 28. And I'll read it. It'll not come up on the screen, but um, hopefully you've got your Bibles on your phone or whatever it may be. Genesis 1, 1 to 5 says, In the beginning, okay, before everything else, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was in the face of the deep. In other words, there was no design, there was no structure, it was chaotic. And then it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So even though there was no design, even though it was chaotic, God was still in the midst of it. You may be here and you feel like your life is without design and chaotic. I have to tell you, God's still in the midst of it. Regardless of where you're at, God's still in the midst of it. And then God says, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw the light and he says it was good. He divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness night. And then it goes on to talk about the land and the seas and so on and so on. You can go on and read that. In other words, he began to create structure and order in the midst of chaos. And then it goes on interestingly in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And I think this verse has maybe read out in previous weeks. It says, then God says, let us make man in our image. Everyone say our image. I'll read. Everyone say God's image just so you don't get confused whose image you're talking about. According to our likeness, let them, which is man and woman, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, all the earth, and over everything that moves along the earth. And God created uh, them in his own image, the image of God he created them. It said male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, cultivate it and have dominion over the seas and everything else that moves in it. What, what's the point? At one stage, the earth, at one stage, creation was empty and void. It was chaotic, it was without order, and it was without design. And then God speaks into the midst of that and creates order and design, which is day and night, land and sea. And then what happens when he's done that, he says, let's create man in our image. Male and female, he created them. He created a co-laborer. And then he says, let's make that co-laborer to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it, in other words, cultivate it. And what's really interesting is, is God created order. He created design. He created his normal, all right? And he says, I'm going to create human to cultivate the, the normal which I first set up in the beginning. God created order design. He created what he defined as normal to be. He created you and I, and he says, now it's over to you to maintain and to reproduce the normal which I set up. Not the normal which you set up, the normal which I set up. And we see that picture through the garden. We see that picture through relationships with each other. And then as we know, sin entered in. And what happened was, when God said, let's make man in our image, humans then says, let's make God in our image. And that's where it went wrong. God says, let's make man in our normal. And then we come along and go, well, I think I know better. But like a, anybody, any toddlers in the room or any grandkids, you go, I know what normal looks like, mommy and daddy. Don't tell me what to do. 
And some of you are smiling because you're like, wow, that was only this morning. And what happens is, is we start to go, do you know what, God? Your normal was grand because it was just birds of the air and it was just humans and it was just all things created. But do you know what? We've got it from here. And that's what is happening in our current culture is we pay millions of pounds to capture dolphins in the ocean, volcanoes exploding, the intricacies of our, of our universe, and we go, wow, that's incredible. And then we go, I wonder where that came from. And sometimes it takes more faith to believe in nothing than in anything, but that's not the point. See, what happens is God brought order out of chaos, and he has created you and I to bring order into every area of society. Do you know you're called to influence every area of society and to see God's normal, in other words, God's kingdom come and his will be done in every area of your... You don't believe me? Okay, maybe it's just because you're tired. <laughs> but that's what we are set up to do. It's in the beginning. It's, it's, it's the whole narrative of Scripture. Jesus actually begins to say, you know, he says, teach us how to pray. And he says, Your, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the, the, the normal of heaven is to come on the earth. The normal of heaven is to come into your family, into your job, into your into the education, into, so, into media, into um, government and politics, and to every area of society, God's normal is to go and be in there. But like we've seen is we have so many people in those areas of influence are trying to define what normal is. And we will run into problems when we begin to believe them for their normal and actually instead of fighting to, to see God's normal. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as is in heaven. And the problem is that we begin to listen to the voice of the enemy, but we also begin to listen to a convincing persuasive voice of culture because it sounds good. But how many of you know just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it sounds like God? It, just because something is good doesn't mean it is God. And we have to begin to go, what is this normal? What is this truth? If you want to unpack the word. What is this way of life that God's calling us to live? Like I said, normal is about seamless relationship with God. We're designed, normal life looks like having seamless relationship with God and with each other. Now, some of you are here going, you have not met my family. You have not met my colleagues. You have not met, I know. But just because it's hard does not mean we're not called to see his kingdom come in that area. It's hard to overcome anxiety. It's hard to overcome anger towards a brother. It's hard to overcome and forgive because it costs us everything. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. And we're going to read later on where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we need to get back. Our normal is about getting back to that seamless relationship. I'll put it like this. Genesis talks about marriage. It talks about a male and female he created him in. And if you, you, you can go read the whole account and how he, you know, he created Adam. And then he saw and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he, he, he says, from the, from the rib of Adam he took and he made woman. And a lot of you will be familiar with the term he says, you know, the, the, he created 
Adam and helpmate. Anybody heard that word before, helpmate? Yeah? What's really interesting is that word helpmate. For some reason, through church history, through wider culture, has almost as if female has become a subservient role to male. That word helpmate is like a second-class citizen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But that's actually not what God meant. You see, what's really interesting is that word helpmate, that same word helpmate is the same word God used for himself in relation to Israel. You see, in several times throughout the Old Testament, and it's in the Greek, you can go look, it's God uses that phrase to describe himself. It's not, and how many know God's not a second-class observant role in your life? And what the word helpmate actually means is it's one who is, so we have male and female, we have Adam and Eve, and we have a helpmate. And then we have, we have humanity and we have God defining himself or using the, the label as helpmate. And what happens is we have one and then we have the helpmate and it's one who's fully qualified to stand face to face with the other in order to make up for the lack in this person. Adam had lack in order to be able to continue to cultivate the normal and the original design which God called him to live. So he created Eve. And Eve was not to be a subservient just to do what Adam wanted him to do, her to do. But actually it was about, Eve was about to fulfill the lack in Adam. It was a co-laborship. I thought the women would have liked that one in here. <laughs> and then what happens is we have humanity with their brokenness and with their lack. And God says, I will be your helpmate. And I will come alongside and I will help you to continue in my ways, to continue in my normal. That we don't have to do it of our own strength and our own vision. We do it with God. I help me. You see, just as man and woman, well, I'll put it like this, just because man needed woman to help fulfill that role which God created him for, also reveals humans' need for God's help in maintaining that in every aspect of your life. You see, what man and woman was, was illustrating in the natural was what actually human and God was to be in the spiritual. Because how many, many of you know we're not just uh, body, that we're soul and then also spirit. See, you're a spirit that has a soul, that has a body. That you're not just a body with a mind and emotions and then when you hit the dirt, all is done. No, you are a spirit with life on the inside that begins to be connected and communicated through the soul, which is your, you know, your mind and it's with your personality. And then what happens is that's just hosted by the body. And how many know when you go to be with Jesus, you're going to get a new body? Some of you are like, amen. Does it come with a six pack and a rip, whatever? Yep. <laughs> we'll tell ourselves that to make us feel good in this life. What was my point? <laughs> and what it was about was to have this interdependent relationship with God. This oneness. And the culture defines marriage to be, well, actually, do you know what? It's okay for fractured relationships. But, and, and sometimes that happens through, through many different reasons. But what is it about? It's about seamless relationship with each other. And also that seamless relationship with God means we have an interdependent relationship 
God to um, human, human to God is what normal should look like. And one of the functions of our, rela- of our purpose on the earth is, is to image God and to bring him glory. How many of you know that? It's to image God and to give him glory, not to image ourselves and, and get, our, get our own credit. That is a very unfulfilling life. A very, very unfulfilling life if we are designed to image ourselves or the image of what we think we should be like and to bring ourselves glory. It will lead you to unfulfillment. You see, God created, like I keep referring back to, God created order and design what he defined as normal and good. And what happens is when he ruled in the beginning, and God still rules, okay, he hasn't unruled, okay, but I'm just for the the sake of of co-laborship. The way God created and ruled in the beginning was not disordered and was not chaotic and confused, but it was ordered, reliable, so that life can flourish. It's really important you remember that. The way God has always, but particularly what we see in the beginning, it was he created order out of chaos and it was ordered, reliable, so that life could flourish and we see it how they were set up in the garden. The same call is for us, is that when we follow his original design, his normal, he set us up so that we can bring order, design and, and fluid of relationships so that life can flourish. And what we do is, is we see is when, when, when Genesis 1.20, it talks about subduing the earth, it's not about exploiting control and power. That's not what that phrase is talking about. It's actually a, believe it or not, it's a farming analogy. But it's actually about cultivating and tending to something so that it can grow into be what its original design must be. I'll put it like this, okay? Because just in case I've lost you. Say you have a patch of grass or a garden. Anybody got a garden in the room? Okay. Anybody got a plant pot on, at the home? <laughs> I'll, I'll leave them work for everybody, all right? Anybody can see grass from their window? Okay, right, okay, it's everybody, great. Say you have that patch of grass or that garden and you just leave it uncultivated and untouched. What's going to happen? Weeds are going to, the lover of every <laughs> gardener. It's going to grow wild. Now, not the wild pretty like the wildflower pretty, okay, but it's going to grow wild. Weeds are going to grow. The soil's going to harden, and it's not going to be that much use for its purpose. So what's needed? That garden requires a gardener. A gardener with a vision to come along with their time, with their effort, with their will, with their passion, to come along and go, you know, I want to put my time, effort, and higher vision into this garden to make it look like something that it wouldn't have done on its own accord. Because how many of you know a garden isn't going to grow into an orchard untouched? A garden isn't going to grow into nice shrubs and flower beds on its own. If anybody has that, you have a magic garden. But I, and the same with a plant pot. It's not going to grow without tending, without being touched. Because what is in the natural that won't grow into uh, something beautiful of its own accord it's the same with the spiritual. It's the same with the emotional. How many of you know we don't grow into having healthy families by accident? We don't grow into having healthy communities by accident and, and, and good relationships by accident. You don't have a healthy marriage by accident. Does anybody have a healthy relationship by accident? No. It requires a lot of, lot of effort. 
and a lot, a lot of work and compromise and X, Y, and Z. It requires a lot of tending. The same thing exists for our communities and our cultures that are around us. It's the same thing for parenting. It's the same thing for education. See, to have a normal garden that is fruitful requires, unreliable, requires some people to tend it to the vision of it becoming to the better which God has called it to be. Where we live in a community that lacks stability, reliability, and order by themselves, you and I are called to step into the midst of a mental health crisis, a broken family crisis, a dishonoring toxic community crisis. That people are just defining, well, this is normal because this is always what's been. You and I are called to step in and be those co-labors. Because when humanity and culture is left to their own devices, they grow to be wild and raw. Remember when the, in the early, or the, the history of Europe where it was barbaric? Anybody read the book where the Irish saved civilization? What did they do? They prayed. They called upon something other than themselves. They called upon Jesus. That when culture gets barbaric, the only solution is through prayer and fasting. The only solution is through calling upon God to come for his normal to be our normal, for his kingdom to come and to be in the midst of this kingdom of this world. And something's happening in our community. We were talking about it this morning in pre-service prayer. The 40 days of fasting, four or five people showed up. But this prayer and fasting when we go after seeing the kingdom of God and salvation, it was like 19 or 20. Ah, to me, that's near revival. It's great. <laughs> But it's because God, we, we, we need God to come and do something. We, need, we know we can't do it of ourselves and we all preach to the choir. But how many know God is faithful to answer your call? God wants you to call upon him. Because he created a normal that we can't sustain on ourselves. He created a vision of a garden that we can't sustain of ourselves. But he says, I want to help you do it. And God, do you know God prophesies over every area of your life and says this garden is going to grow? Do you know he speaks over this community and he says this garden's going to grow? That he looks over down Patrick and over this land and he says this garden's going to grow because I've created it to grow. I, I need gardeners with faith that are going to believe it's going to grow. And then I need them to walk in the power of my Holy Spirit relied and dependent on me to see it grow. We have to believe. If we don't believe that, we may as well sell the building and pack up and go home. Because we have to believe that the gardens of our lives are going to grow. They're not going to stay wild. They're not going to stay raw. But they're going to multiply, be fruitful, and, and so that life can flourish. That's what we have to believe for. That's what the normal is. Normal is not by our own definition. It's by his definition. But so many of us, through our own fixed beliefs, do you know it's our own rigidity that's going to stop us stepping into his normal? Do you know you and I are the problem? You and I are the problem. Don't blame culture. Don't blame our community around. That's being a victim of... That's be, I was talking to somebody. That's having a pity party. That's being a victim. To so, do you know what? They have more power than my God has power. That's not what the kingdom is about. Our normal should be by looking at what he defines to be normal. That looks like addictions being overcome. That looks like um, confusion being brought with clarity. That looks like... you know We've been hearing testimonies over this room... We're, we're broken lives and, 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 and parent and, and kid relationships have been restored. And we're seeing, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but we've seen testimonies and salvations come out of that. 
that when God begins, when we catch a glimpse of what God defines as normal, it does something on the inside of us. One of two things, we either go, God, I believe you for your normal, I need you to help me pursue your normal, or I'll go, do you know what, this is the normal I'm in. When I die and I get to heaven, maybe then your normal will come. That's not what we're called and the way we're called to live life. We have to decide in this moment we're going to pursue how he defines normal to be. And it's our job as a church to carry out that call to image God's design on the earth. You see, being image of God is connected to the influencing of the earth. Because God not only creates, he's the grand designer, but he's the grand influencer through his Holy Spirit. And he's called you and I to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. We're called to image Christ, not culture. I think I've maybe shared this before, but I'll use any time to embarrass Hannah. But during, I think it was Boxing Day, and I was standing in the middle of their farmyard shoveling cow poo. And I had this realization. <laughs> I thought, what the heck am I doing in my life? What am I actually doing? It's Boxing Day, it's Christmas, it's my day off. What's going on? And then it hit me. When I married Hannah, I married her ways. And she's winning. She's winning. Because I don't have her in, well, she's not dressed in smick tracksuit just yet, but we're getting her there. <laughs> Tiny versus farmer and all that. But I thought she's winning. She's getting, I'm actually standing here. I, also, I don't know if I was wearing a boiler suit, I'll deny that part. I was wearing wellies at least, the ones Heather bought me. And it's like, what's going on? This is not who I am. This is not my normal. This is not okay. I have to do something about this. Obviously, I'm joking, right? But when you gave your life to Jesus, when you surrendered to him, you married his ways. You married his normal, not your normal. Just because you grew up outside of Christ in a very abnormal situation with all sorts of baggage, I get it. But that's not the normal the old is gone. The old normal is gone. You are a new creation in Christ. The new has come. The new normal is coming into your life. And you've got to decide. Are you going to have one foot in the old or the one foot in the new with that white picket fence where it's not comfortable? Or are we going to decide, I'm going to allow Because as much as I joke about Hannah, it's good fun. I learn a bit of work. And I feel tired. But can I tell you, we have to decide, are we going to be married to the ways of Jesus, not this earth? When we marry Jesus' ways, we marry his example. We marry his holiness. We marry the, the power in which he was empowered by, which is God himself. And we begin to walk in that power too. We marry his character. We marry um, his pursuit of the lost. We per, his pursuit of for restoration and reconciliation. That's what we marry. That's what we catch hold of. In fact, we also pursue and we capture and marry his vision of normal. But we cannot image Jesus without the inner working of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You'll not be able to image Jesus even in a, in a, in a, in a smidge more than you are right now without the working of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus saw that we couldn't do it on our own that we needed a helpmate, 
So he came in the flesh, he died for our separation and our sin so that we can have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is he called us to a new normal. And 2 Corinthians 3, which I read out at the start, it says, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, listen, are being transformed into the same image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. Do you know Jesus is the image of normal? His kingdom is the image of normal. And the Holy Spirit has the power to transform us into the image of Jesus. We're to image Jesus and not culture. So when we encounter the person of Jesus, we realize we wouldn't want to look like anyone else. When you taste the kingdom of God and when you go, wow, that's what normal should look like, everything else begins to seem abnormal. In your life, you would be here and you, you, you've tasted an aspect and the manifestation of the kingdom of God in your life. That's the normal we should be pursuing. It's not about pursuing how God moved and recreating something. No, that's not what it's about. It's about when God brought freedom to your life, when he helped you overcome an addiction, a, a struggle, a whatever it may be, a broken relationship, where he brought healing and restoration. That's what normal looks like. And we have to find, we have to keep those testimonies, we have to go, we have to do everything we can to remind ourselves and our friends around us going, hey, this is what Jesus' normal is. I know we don't, I know right now our life doesn't look the way God is and it's, it's not that, you know, it's just the way God is and he's a cruel God and, you know, he's out to get me or whatever it may be. It's, it's, it's the fact that God has called, he set up a, a normal, that we are not in that normal and that we get to call upon him to bring that normal. I've said that about five times. You see, culture tries to define normal as the airbrushed features. The size zero vigor, the biceps the size of rugby balls, the charisma that will charm and swim the masses, or an eloquence of speech that can convince anyone. You know, Jesus is concerned how much you image eloquence as much as you image him. I'll say it again. Jesus is not concerned that you image eloquence and charisma as much as you image him. The humility. In fact, First John says, if anyone claims I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, in fact, as it says, stood out, you're a liar. He calls us to be a people who are willing to die for healthy families, biblical marriages, and honor communities as he set them up. But listen, where culture, where our communities aren't willing to pursue his design, there are actually some hills we have to be willing to die on. Because there's a hill that Jesus died on so that you can access his normal. Normal in the kingdom is that you hear Jesus. Normal in the kingdom is that you experience his manifest presence. Normal in the kingdom is that you walk in the call and the anointing that he has for you. If you don't feel like you're walking in an anointing, just ask Jesus, what's blocking your anointing? What, what issue, what fear, what anxiety that's stopping you stepping out what, what trust issue is, is blocking you walking in your anointing? You know, seeking first the kingdom and you and everything else will come. If you just seek God healing things within you, you'll walk in greater anointing. What do I mean? You'll walk in the grace and the presence of God that will see the, the, the lame walk, the deaf here, the dead raised from the dead. All the things that Jesus calls us to do, his normal, when we pursue it, and see him healed by the Spirit on the inside will walk in those things. To overcome anxiety and depression. To have peace and abundance. To have good relationships with friends and family. Good self-esteem. And even to sleep well. 
You know, it's normal for you to sleep well. If you don't sleep well, God wants to come and impact your life. So for so many of us, we can doubt because we've aligned ourselves with what our world has defined as normal and not what God's kingdom defined as normal. Because listen, 2 Corinthians 3 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you know the spirit of the Lord's in this place? That means freedom accompanies him. You know the spirit of the Lord, if you've given your life to Jesus, lives on the inside of you. Do you know what that means? That means freedom is possible on the inside of you. If you're a family and you've decided, you know what? We declare that this house will serve the Lord all the days of our lives. You know where the spirit of the Lord is? There's freedom. Just because it does not exist in the reality just yet does not mean that God does not want to bring it in. That's his normal. Freedom is normal in the kingdom. And if you're here and there's an area of your life, I do not care what area it is, and you don't feel free in it, then it's not God's normal yet. And we have to be a community and a group of people that are willing to audaciously believe that God's normal should be our normal. We have to audacity, we have to have the, the, almost the craziness because culture will call it delusion and crazy. But sometimes that's when you look at the apostles and the disciples, they looked crazy. Now, I'm not talking about insanity and a personality disorder and all sorts and just saying you're full of Jesus. You might actually have a personality disorder. But actually, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why don't Chris and the guys come back up? I did go over time, but you, you, you didn't have me for two weeks, so I had all that just to come out, all right? So you're lucky you're not here at three o'clock. <laughs> I want you to stand. Your freedom is Jesus' as normal. Staying stuck as cultural is normal. I'll say that again. Your freedom is Jesus' as normal. Your healing is Jesus' as normal. Staying stuck and confused and isolated is culture's normal. And I want to, I want to, I'm just going to pray as these guys continue in worship. And I'm going to pray, I just felt like God says, pray for faith. Just pray for faith to believe that the normal you're in, and now maybe you're here and your life is flying and you're, you've no need for prayer and healing, then great come and pray for me. But I just feel like God says, I, I, wanna, I want you to pray for people to have faith to step out of their normal into my normal. Anybody want faith? The gift of faith? Nobody? I'm going to pray these guys are going to play. And we're going to invite the Spirit of the Lord to come upon your life. Father, this morning, we thank you that you are the definition and the embodiment of normal. And that your kingdom is the definition and the, and the manifestation of that normal touching earth. And Father, we thank you this morning that we thank you that the normal we're in is not the normal we have to stay in. Father, we thank you that the brokenness we're in is not where we have to stay, that you've come to bring wholeness, to bring life, to bring freedom.
And Jesus, you, so, you died for us. You loved us that much that you came so the way we, we may experience your kingdom coming in our lives. And so, Father, this morning I pray, Jesus, would you give us all faith? Would you give us the faith to believe for your new normal in, in our community, for Dan Patrick, for ourselves? God, would we begin to catch a, the, the same fresh vision of your normal? God, would we, we believe for revival? Would we believe for souls to come back to you? Would we believe for families to be restored? Would we believe for anxiety to be, be taken apart? Father, we pray this morning that we would have fresh faith and fresh vision this morning. Father, would there be faith rise up in this room and this group of people to go, we're going to die on the hill of God's normal because you died for it, Jesus. And, and, and we just say that, that this garden will grow. We just declare that the garden of this community will grow. The people will be added in, in abundance, that they will be fruitful, they will be reliable, and they would multiply. That health, wholeness, peace will grow in an abundance. And the people will come into that orchard and be able to see you reflected in its image. Father, that you would get all the glory, that you would be exalted, that you would be reflected in everything we do. So Holy Spirit, we pray by the power that you can do it, would you come and do something so deep that we would be image bearers of you. And that people will look at us and go, I want what you have because I want the Jesus in you. I want to look like Jesus. So Father, this morning I pray, would you do it in us? Would you do it in this community? Would you do it in me? Would we image you from glory to glory, from one image to another, God? Would we just, would we look so much like you in these next coming days and weeks and months that lie ahead, God, that our community would see something different and go, I need what you have. I want what you have. The normal I'm in is not the normal I want to stay in, so can Jesus give me his normal? Jesus, would you convict people of the, of the brokenness that they're in and God, they would go, I want that.